Well, we are uh, going to start a new series today that's going to take us right up to Easter uh, that is called Mourn Again. And the idea behind this is really some of the same idea that's, that's wrapped into the tradition of Lent. Uh, you may know that this past Wednesday was the beginning of, of Lent, known as uh, Ash Wednesday. And it's really representing the day that, uh, that Jesus entered into the desert before his death. Uh, some churches and, and denominations do this uh, more than others. Um, they, they really make it a part of their yearly tradition in, in many ways. Uh, we usually don't do that necessarily in that sense. Um, but you know what? The concept behind Lent is something that believers, uh, we, we should engage in. The idea behind there is something that we should engage in. To, to be asking questions of, of ourselves with the Lord. Like, what is pulling me away from loving God and loving others? I think these are questions we should be asking ourselves often. What's, what's pulling me away there? What, what sacrifices maybe need to be made uh, in, in, in giving maybe, maybe in, in time and in prayer with the Lord where, where I can truly hear from him that's gonna help me to love like Jesus and grow more in, in my walk with him to be more like him. A lot of times during Lent, people will, um, will give up something for 40 days. Uh, it's kind of like an extended fast of a certain thing, whether it's, you know, you see people give up certain foods or, uh, or maybe social media or things like that. Um, but this fasting on Friday thing, if you didn't know, uh, or maybe you do know, uh, is because Jesus died on a Friday. And so that's where some of that tradition comes from, became a way of honoring his sacrifice. Um, but it simply meant abstaining from eating, uh, eating warm-blooded animals, the flesh of warm-blooded animals, since the thinking, as the thinking goes, is that Jesus was warm-blooded. So a fish is cold-blooded, and so that's why that uh, is considered okay to eat during those fasting days, if you didn't know that. Just thought that'd be interesting to share. Um, but it, it really is a time of repenting and mourning over our sin. And it sets the tone for the celebration of Jesus' resurrection. And so for believers, it, it really allows us to maybe return to a state of heart, a state of mind that we had when we first approached Jesus and we were aware of our need for him. And so in many ways, that's, that's kind of the, the posture that I hope we can take over the next few weeks here because it's important for us as we grow in our faith, as we walk more with Jesus, as we continue to look to be the branch in 2024, shameless plug, you can get one of these on our website, connectchurch.xyz slash merch. There's a whole lot of new stuff on there. That's not the point of this. The, the point is really for this to, to drive us more to be the branch that Jesus calls us to be. If he is the vine and we are the branches to reach out, understanding where we stand with Jesus is an important part of that for us to really be motivated in the right way. Because the further aware, uh, the further we get from the awareness of our sin, the further we get from that, the less we're able to be who God has called us to be. And so this might sound a little depressing. You're like, okay, this is, this is where we're going for the next few weeks? Yeah. So what are you saying? I'm saying you're the worst. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you're the worst. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously, but that's not the goal. That's not what we're going for here is that you're the worst. The point is not for us to be depressed 
when we leave church. In fact, I hope that you're encouraged when, when you join us here, you watch online with us. I hope that you're encouraged and, and, and also inspired to walk out your faith and live out your faith more. And I truly believe that leaning into this idea is gonna help us to actually do that. It's not for us to be down and depressed about ourselves, but when we come face to face and we're honest about our ungodly behavior, about the realities of our guilt and our sin, and, and we're open about that, the way that we can receive forgiveness and the hope that we have in Jesus is put in a whole new light. And, and so that may sound depressing to you, but I would actually argue it's gonna push you more toward a place of relief and more toward a place of joy in your walk with Jesus because we're understanding more where we have come from and reminding ourselves of the joy of our salvation. So let me encourage you in this moment right now to just stop and to take a breath and to encounter Jesus with fresh eyes today. Some of us have been going to church our whole life. Some of you, maybe you're you're just stepping back into church. I wanna ask us all to kind of put ourselves on the same playing field for just a minute. I wanna bring the lights down for a second, and I wanna have a quiet, reflective moment as we get into the word of God here for a second. So let me just ask you, if you would, close your eyes, quiet yourself for just a second. Stop your mind from running as best as you can. I struggle with that too. You might, you may have walked in here today in a season of what feels like failure. Life is hard. We don't get everything right. We mess up a lot. Can I remind you that Jesus never abandons us? So let's take nothing for granted not the things that we've done wrong. Let's not take those for granted. But let's not take our salvation for granted either. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we come together in this moment, as we've sang and worshiped you, as your Holy Spirit is moving through this place, Lord, I pray that you would just quiet our minds for a minute. Quiet our hearts. Help us to be honest with ourselves for the next few minutes, to be honest with you, to not worry about what we're going home to or what we came from, but just to be present with you for a minute. God, I pray you would open our, our eyes and our hearts to the truth of your word, to the joy of our salvation as we're honest before a holy, perfect, and loving God. In Jesus' name, amen. What do I need God for? Think about that question. What do we need God for? There's a lot in our world today that keeps us from feeling our need for God. Truly. Many of us are dangerously close to lacking nothing. We're dangerously self-reliant. We are so blessed 
especially in the United States. We are so blessed, so provided for, even on your worst day. And you might be like, Jay, today is my worst day. And I came here, and I'm glad you're here. We are glad that you're here. But let me give you some perspective for a minute. If your family, if your family income is $10,000 a year or, or higher, you are wealthier than 70% of the world. Planet Earth. 10,000 a year. If it's 60,000 a year or more, you make more than 99% of the world. 99, you're in the top 1%. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that's probably a majority of us in the room and watching online. The average median income on planet Earth right now, $2,800 a year. That's the average median income. Now, is that a sin? Is that my point? Should we mourn the fact that God has blessed us so much? No, that's not what I'm saying. And that's not even the point of all this. My point is actually this question. What do I need God for? Because we have everything, and we are so blessed that something like our sin can seem really minute. We can get calloused. We have become calloused. Our wallet can be incredibly full, and our spiritual life can be empty. When we're cared for, when we're fed, when we're well-rested, when we're, you know, monetarily taken care of, emotionally content for the most part, we're independent, we're healthy, we might find that we're spiritually empty. We need a perspective shift, church. We do. We need, we need a perspective shift. And I'm not just talking Connect Church. I'm talking the church as a whole and especially the church in America. As believers, we need a perspective shift to realize how blessed we are and what we are saved from. On the other hand, when we become painfully aware of our true limits and our boundaries, right, that allows us to see that we have needs that are far beyond the ones that we generally notice because we don't notice as much because we're so taken care of, we need a perspective shift. A perspective, definition of that, is a particular attitude toward or a way of regarding something. It's a point of view, a certain point of view. You could argue that following Jesus is actually a constant transformation of our perspective, that that's what that should be. That that's what it means to be more like Jesus, that's what it means to be the branch is to have our perspective continuing to shift little by little to being more of his, to, to be taking next steps. And that is shifting our perspective. And so as we go through this series, this is actually one of the, the underlying goals of the whole series, really, is a perspective shift that puts the glory of God at the forefront of our hearts and minds. Because if I, if, if I had to pick one thing that is our goal as believers, one thing that we should strive for at all times with everything, it is the glory of God. Because if your goal is the glory of God, the trickle-down effect to everything else in life is, is right there. Because it's the glory of God is number one. 
bringing glory to God in all the things. If you have your Bibles uh, or your Bible app, you can follow along with me. We're going to be in the Old Testament and the New Testament today. We're going to start in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, which is toward the beginning-ish, well, middle-ish of the, of the Old Testament. Um, and, and this is written by Solomon. And then we're going to be jumping over to the book of James. Um, and so if you've got your Bible app, it's real quick. If you've got your physical Bible, it may take you a minute. Um, but these passages that we're going to look at show the importance of our perspective and mourning at appropriate times. So let's start in Ecclesiastes here, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says this. It's written by Solomon, son of, of King David. It says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Solomon is, is writing about what is really important in life, Solomon was the wisest man to ever live and the richest. He had everything, right? He had the, the wisdom and knowledge, and he had the wealth. And so he writes the book of Ecclesiastes as almost his therapy journal, is a good way to put it, because he has everything. And so he begins to write about his, we'll call it experiments, of, of, of having a fulfilled life in all of the things. And so what really matters in life? And he starts off in the very beginning of the book, actually, by saying, it's all worthless. Every, every, everything is vanity. And, and, and then he begins to, like, deconstruct that as he goes through. And you, and you start to really understand that, like we've said, the, the only things that matter on this side of eternity are the things that we can take to the other side of eternity. And so he's writing about what's really important in life. And, and he talks about the good things in life as we see, but also the inevitability of trouble and evil. And mourning rituals, back in the ancient Near East, there were, there were many things that, that were, you know, in that vein of mourning rituals that have, that kind of spilled into Jewish traditions and practices as things continued to move forward um, with time. But, but we see the facts here. We see Solomon is a, is a realist. Right? His, his wisdom is showing us that he's, he's a realist. He's not an overwhelming optimist, but he's also not an overwhelming pessimist. You know any extreme optimists? Somebody who like everything's just awesome no matter what, everything is great, right? How, and you're like, how are you? And they're like, oh, I'm so blessed. My house just burnt down. I have no idea where we're gonna live. I have no food. But you know what? To God be the glory. Everything's, everything's great, you know? And then you got your people on the other side that are like, I have a hangnail. God must hate me. <laughs> I passed this person in the hall and I said hello. And you know what they said back to me? Hey. What a jerk. And, and they text me with a thumbs up. They must hate my guts. God hates me. Right? You got, you got those people that are, <laughs> that, are, that are on either side. Right? The sky is falling or everything is awesome. And... Sorry, you'll have that in your head the rest of the day. But there should be a balance. There should be a balance in our life. There is a time for everything, and that includes good times, and that includes bad times, joy and mourning. 
And as, as we're leading up to Easter, I hope that our perspective is really in, in, a, in a proper place as we head to the resurrection of Jesus and what it truly, truly means for us. See, perspective matters. To see things for what they are, that means to have a realistic perspective of who we are or who we would be without Jesus. Meaning that we need to remember a little more often where we would be sitting. That we would be sitting in our sin, decaying in our filth, and there would be nothing we could do about it without Jesus. See, this idea carries over into the New Testament through leaders like Paul and James. And they tell us that there should be a time for mourning our sin. To define mourn, the word mourn, it means a deep sorrow or regret or to grieve for. And I actually think that definition, to grieve for, is, is the one that makes the most sense with what the biblical authors are trying to tell us here. So in James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, look at what he says here. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. This isn't meant to make us be depressed. It's meant to give us a perspective shift. In light of the grace that God gives us, we need to submit ourselves to him. We need to submit ourselves to him. He created us. He wants what's best for us. And resistance to him is ultimately pointless, right? Resistance is futile. We're just delaying the inevitable. Submitting to him is actually necessary for our salvation. It's necessary for our salvation. There's no other way to find peace in your life than, in, than to submit to God because without submission, there is no redemption. There is no redemption without submission because that's what we're being saved from. And the promise, the promise that's here, right? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's gonna come back and try again. He will, we all know that. He has hit you over and over and over and over again, but we need to still resist because we have the power of the Holy Spirit within our life if we're followers of Jesus. And so mourning our sin doesn't mean feeling down about ourselves. That's just gonna enable you to give in to the devil and his schemes if you're just feeling down about yourself, if you're just saying I'm the worst all the time. That's also putting a, a bad perspective on the, on, on the sacrifice of Jesus because he didn't give his life for the worst. He loved you so much, but he did give his life for the worst of our sin. It means understanding where you were and that because of Jesus, you understand now where you are. You are saved by grace. And he is drawing close to us as we draw close to him. That's a promise, right? Come near to God and he will come near to you. That's a promise that's in there. See, the devil can and will wrestle you. you you've been there, done that. He can and will wrestle you. He will wrestle you and wrestle you and wrestle you as a believer, but he can never pin you. He can never pin you. You are never pinned. Know that. You, are ne you might feel like it, but you're not. And it's not on your strength, it's on his. 
So know that, not in an arrogant way, but in a confidence in Jesus way, because it's not your power, it's not your strength. Even as we sang about this morning, understanding and mourning our sin properly actually draws us closer to him, right? Wash, purify, grieve, mourn, humble yourself. It's back to that submission to God. Come near to God and he will come near to you. But we need to approach God as sinners with a posture of a sinner, not self-righteous, but instead humbly understanding where we stand. We need to humbly understand where we stand, or maybe even remember, remind yourself where you stand. Because drawing near to God in that way, he will lift you up, as the scriptures say, right? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Yes, God is merciful. Absolutely, he is. So let's make our hearts tender toward his mercy by handling it with with gentle hands, not with closed fists and approaching God demanding with closed fists, but instead we find that if we truly value the grace of God, that we're gonna act in a way that shows how much we truly treasure that. Let me give you an analogy. Imagine that you're on the back of a motorcycle and you've got the best motorcycle driver. He's perfect. He's going at a high speed, but he is a perfect driver. And as long as you have your arms around the driver, you're safe. But if you let go of him, you're going to fall backwards, probably going to slam into the pavement, and you're going to have severe injuries, no doubt. And you aren't afraid of the driver, per se. But if you're smart, if you're smart, you'll fear letting go of him. And the wise thing to do is to trust him and never let go. Here's the problem. We have lost our awe of God. We've lost our awe of God, and we need to get it back. It's time to get it back. We aren't phased. There's not a whole lot that phases us anymore. We're calloused. We're apathetic to the fact that the creator of the universe who could wipe you off this planet at a moment's notice loves you in spite of your failures, in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of your sin. He loves you so much that he died for you in the worst way ever and he rose again for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. There's no way to oversell that. He wants to have a relationship with you because he created you to be with him and that's amazing. Even in spite of ourselves, that's amazing. And we have lost our awe of that fact. We have lost our awe of that fact. I love the fact that, that Clint actually challenged us today during worship to just like, forget who's next to you. Let's just worship the Lord. And yeah, you may not feel comfortable raising your hands or whatever, and that's fine. Everybody has their own way of doing that. But, but the point of what he was trying to get across is exactly what we're talking about right here. We've lost our awe of God. Do we really appreciate and worship the Lord for who he is and what he's done in our life? Enough. I think we need a perspective shift. if we mourn our sin a little bit more often we need to mourn again 
right? Proverbs 28, 14 says, blessed is the one who always trembles before God. But whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. We have come dangerously close, just as a society, of having our hearts hardened. Do, do we tremble before God anymore? Because mourning your sin is actually what brings us to the foot of the cross in the first place. Because we realize that we're a sinner and that there is nothing we can do about it. And that first encounter with Jesus, the realization that Jesus Christ is the only one who can and who did is a moment of awe. Or at least it should be. And we get to encounter God we get to encounter God anytime we want, the creator, the savior, the great I am, Yahweh, anytime we want with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is here right now, right now, here with you, with us, right now. The Holy Spirit of God is here right now. And he will be with you as a follower of Jesus. He will be with you inside of you, living inside of you as you leave this place in a few minutes as well. That's an awesome thing. In many ways, that should make us fall to our knees in worship because we're not worthy of that because of our sin, but because of what Jesus did, the substitutionary death that he, that he provided for us and then conquering the grave and raising from the, from the grave. It's an, it's an incredible thing. And so what should we do? We should treat every encounter with God like it's the very first one. Do you remember that moment? That moment, your, your very first encounter with God where you realized your position before a holy and perfect God and how different your perspective was in that moment. What if we treated every moment that we encounter God that way? We are best served when we do that or else we'll risk thinking too highly of ourselves and and risk thinking that we're above the basics of our relationship with God, which really, at its base, at its core, is really, really simple and really awesome. And it is, it's amazing how many people, especially adults, we, we're, we're like, what's the catch? There's no catch. And that's hard for us to get our head around because there's no catch. The catch is Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you, and it's just turn from your sin and turn to him. That's it. There's no catch. How easy is it for a teacher to forget what it's like to be a student? Or as a parent, how often we forget what it's like to be a kid? Caught myself there many times. When we believe that we've grown beyond the need to repent, we're closing ourselves off for the opportunity of forgiveness. So my connection point for us today is that when you mourn your sin, he will lift you up. When you mourn your sin, he will lift you up. Remember, in humility, where you stand. Let's remember where we stand and that, and that is gonna point you to where he stands. Remembering where you stand points you to where he stands. In his glory, with his arms wide open as your loving father, 
as your loving Savior, as your Redeemer. The joy of our salvation is the fact that we are saved from our sin. That is the joy of our salvation. But, but if we're forgetting that fact all too often, then we're going to find it harder and harder and harder to draw close to God. Could you be feeling far from God because you haven't mourned your sin in a long time? I talk to people often who say, I just, I just don't feel close to God. Could, could this be one of the things that draws you back to him? Have, have you really forgotten deep down the reason why you fell to your knees at the foot of the cross to begin with? Could this be the next step in your walk with him? Listen, if we're going to be the branch as the church, he is the vine and we are the branch. We have to remain connected to the vine and we need to remember that we're only the branch because we're connected to him. And that without the vine, we're just a stick who can do nothing. And when we're honest about our sin, honest about our need for a savior, the good news the good news is exactly that. It's good news. And if you've not put your trust in Jesus, if there's something holding you back, I hope that your perspective has maybe shifted and, and you can approach him for the first time today. There's not some magical words that you have to say. It's a, it's a trust from your heart to him. It's admitting that you're a sinner. We're all sinners. We've all messed up. It's believing that Jesus is who he said he was and is and that he came and he paid the price for you and for me. And he rose again on the third day. And it's putting your, your trust in that and, and telling him, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I, I believe in what you did for me on the cross that you rose again and I want to live my life for you and it's, and it's confessing that and repenting from your sin and turning to him. It's not having all the questions answered right now because you're not gonna. None of the disciples did right at the beginning and you could argue that they still didn't even after Jesus ascended. They were still walking and trying to take one next step every single day but they knew for sure that they were going to be with him in heaven one day because their trust was not in themselves and they knew that their savior had paid for their sin. And if you haven't put your trust in him, today can be the day of salvation for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that in spite of our sin, you love us so much that there's nothing we can do to make you love us more nothing we can do to make you love us less. Lord, we've all messed up. We've all come in here in a different place. But Lord, I pray that we all can really fall to our knees, whether literally or, or figuratively, and remember that without you, we're just sitting in our sin, unable to save ourselves. Father, I thank you 
that you gave yourself for us. Help us to, to, to really have that perspective of, of mourning our sin in the right way. Not in a way that gets us down, but in a way that lifts you up. Father, as we, we approach Holy Week, coming up in a few weeks, Lord, I pray that this, this next season for us can be one that puts you in your proper place in our life. And God, if there's one here that doesn't know you, that, have, that has not made that commitment, I pray that they could just put it in their own words, whatever that looks like, right where they're at, or that they talk to one of us after the service. Father, we love you. We thank you for your salvation. Give us the joy of our salvation again as we go out into this world that needs you so much. Help us to be your church and love people where they are. In Jesus' name.